Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast on a Monday morning. Your host, Kevin Parker, riding solo here today as my co-host, Scott uh, SpartanMartin18 on Twitter, is out hunting for the weekend. I know it's uh, opening weekend up there. So um, riding solo here today to, to discuss this Indiana game debacle, however you want to put that, however you want to phrase it. Um, I just finished rewatching it. I got the masters on in the background and I don't know, not, not too much to say, to be completely honest. We'll, we'll say what there is to be said. That's, you know, horrible radio right there, but I, I have thoughts. Certainly again, I rewatched the whole game. I, I really focused on all of Peyton Thorne's snaps that he took. Uh, because I wanted to see, like, really, what's the difference with him in there? We, we've we all been calling for a quarterback change. We finally got it. He was finally given a chance to, you know, control this offense for, you know, an entire half and then some. So it's a pretty big sample size that you're able to to get some information out of. And I certainly have a lot of it. I posted some clips on Twitter. You can go to at standing room MSU on Twitter and make sure you check those out because there were a couple of clips that some good, some bad. Uh, there, there was a little bit of both in this game from Peyton Thorne and all in all, look, I, I will, we'll get into his performance, but all in all, look, it was, it was better than what we saw from Rocky. It was exciting at times. It, it was pedestrian at times. Sure. But it was a breath of fresh air. It was something a little bit different. It was it was a guy who came in and, and did his job and did it pretty well, turned the ball over once, but, you know, I don't know. It, it certainly wasn't perfect. So we'll, we'll get into all of that. I got some stats for you as well. Uh, following the first shutout of Michigan State at Spartan Stadium since 1985 to the top 10 ranked Indiana Hoosiers. So we'll get into all of that. I have a lot of Twitter feedback. I'll try to get to as much of it as we can. I put out a call for some mailbag questions. I think I got like 15 in here. Um, so we'll try to get to all of them if we can. If we if we don't get to your question, I apologize. Um, we will try to finish that out on uh, Thursday's pod because it looks like we might have a little bye week coming up here. Uh, Maryland is scheduled for noon on Saturday. 
Uh, they're dealing with a COVID outbreak. I think the last we heard, it was eight players or staff members have contracted COVID. So the the program facilities are shut down. Their game against Ohio State was canceled. So we'll see. Uh, I we were going back and forth in this in the group chat, and I don't know if it, if it's good or bad to have a bye week here. We just finished the halfway point in in an eight game schedule. Uh, first game pretty rough, losing to Rutgers. Second game, you know, just this emotional win against a rival on the road. Great performance on both sides of the ball. And then you come out and you lose 73-7 to the following two weeks. The offense has been horrible. The defense, while it's it's not the problem, it, it hasn't been much better. On one hand, it would be nice to just kind of take a breather here and say, all right, let's take a week. Let's regroup. We got a new quarterback in here. Let's, you know, try to come up with a new game plan. Let's get back to the basics of the playbook. Let's figure this thing out. Uh, but on the other hand, look, it's a young team, a new coaching staff, and game experience is something that's um, invalu- invaluable. It's it's everything. So I don't know how I feel about it. A bye week, there, there are certainly some pros and cons. I almost lean towards just taking a breather here and getting that bye week. I, I think that would probably be more beneficial right now than just marching back out there and hoping for the best. I think it would be nice to get a chance to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror a little bit and say, hey, like, look at this coaching staff and have them be able to sit down for a minute and just say, all right, guys, we got a couple weeks here. Let's figure this thing out because something ain't working. And so you have again a new quarterback who has a little bit of different play style. Let's try to try to evolve our offense a little bit around what he does well. Try to get him out of the pocket. Try to get him moving. Uh, what can we do there? So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. I, I'm sure we'll get an announcement sometime this week. Uh, but keep an eye out on that. But let's get back to Indiana. Uh, the the stats are pretty ugly. Time of possession was probably the worst of it. Indiana had 39 minutes and 14 seconds of possession. Michigan State, 20 minutes and 46 seconds. They almost doubled us in time of possession. Yards, 433 for Indiana, 191 for Michigan State. They they beat us in passing yards, 320 to 131 yards per attempt through the air, 8.4 for Indiana, 4.9 for Michigan State. Rushing yards, 113 for Indiana. 60 for Michigan State, almost doubling up. up. Yeah, let's see. So they almost tripled us up in passing yards. They doubled us up almost in rushing yards. Uh, 2.9 yards a carry for for Indiana, so we definitely controlled them for most of the night. But problem is uh, we ran for 2.5 yards a carry, and you're not going to win many games doing that. We'll get to some rushing stats in a second because it's pretty eye-opening. Turnovers, they turned the ball over twice, both in the first half on Shakur Brown interceptions, and we had four turnovers on the day. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll start here because the rushing has been so bad. And before we get to the quarterbacks, it's such a big factor in football. If you're not able to run the ball, it makes your quarterback's job so difficult, especially in a, a pro style offense. Look, if if you're running out there Mississippi State and LSU and you're throwing the ball all over the field, 
it's it's part of the game plan to not run the ball. That that's part of the system. But when part of your system is relying on that running game to set up play action, to set up the passing game, to to keep defenders out of the box, it, it makes your job a lot harder on offense as a play caller, as a quarterback, as a wide receiver. So that's such a big factor in this, and that's something that we have to consider with Rocky Lombardi. And look, I I, I don't have that much to say about him, honestly. I I've said everything there is to be said about Rocky Lombardi. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I, I think he's not even a below average power five quarterback. I think he's somewhere in the bottom 10%. I, I think he might be a good starter in the Mac. I think he might be a decent starter in the mountain West. He's not a power five quarterback and that's okay. And look, he's a, he's a kid. He's, he's a college kid. I feel bad really laying into him too much. It's just that when you sign up to play big time college football at a big time program, you sign up for all of it and you sign up for the media, you sign up for everything that's attached to it. And when you don't play well, you got to hear that noise and he hasn't played well. He's a bad quarterback. And again, I don't, I don't think there's any use in getting fired up about it. I don't think there's anything, any use in, you know, getting angry about him throwing another bad interception and another bad interception. I just think he's not good and that's okay. Sometimes kids don't work out. Sometimes the talent level just isn't there. Sometimes the coaching staff recruits a kid and, you know, they just don't see it. Sometimes it just doesn't work and it hasn't worked. And I don't think it ever will work. I, I just think that there's too many uncorrectable errors in his game that it's not going to work. So moving on from Rocky, I, I really, really hope that Peyton Thorne is the guy moving forward here because one thing I mentioned in the group chat during the game and you know everybody in our group chats, obviously very pro Peyton Thorne, pro anybody but Rocky Lombardi at this point. And I made the case that, look, he's got to put some points up on the board because when the coaching staff goes to evaluate the quarterback position, they go to evaluate the offense, you can justify objectively looking at this and saying, look, we put in the backup quarterback. He didn't score any points either. And they've talked about the Rockies leadership, his competitiveness and, and all of that intangible stuff that goes into it. So when you're a Peyton Thorne, when you're a backup that finally gets that opportunity and look, I, he played well and, and I'll go into it because again, I, I charted his entire performance. I have a couple sheets worth of notes here. Every time he dropped back, I, I made a note of exactly what happened. Was there pressure? What did he do with the pressure? Did he find his receiver? Was it on target? I really dug deep into his performance. And all in all, it was it was decent. It wasn't great. It was decent. It was better than what Rocky Lombardi has given us the last couple of weeks, and I hope the coaching staff sees that. But again, he didn't put any points on the board. And when the coaching staff is going to evaluate all of this, that makes it hard to make that full sale change. And there's always going to be that thought in the back of their head of, look, we're going to the backup here who also hasn't scored for us who also put us in some bad positions. So it's uh, I'm just hoping that that this is Thorne's job and that he can go into a full week of preparing as the starter and, and that the coach, the, the offensive coordinator, Jay Johnson can go into a whole week 
of developing a game plan around his talents because he is a different quarterback than Rocky. He's more mobile. So interested to see how all that plays out. But again, going back to it, the rushing has been so bad. And Peyton Thorne was, was, I guess, the the best running back on our team, really. Uh, It was was pretty darn rough. So um, he had that, what was it, 30... 38 yard run on his first play from scrimmage. That was one of the longest rushing plays that we've had in a long time for Michigan state, but uh, all in all rushing, we had 60 yards, two and a half yards to carry. And on the year through four games, 73.8 yards per game. That is good right now for 122nd out of 125 FBS schools that are currently playing football. 122nd out of 125. 2.2 yards per carry. 124th out of 125. It's bad, folks. And you could say, okay, you know what? Hey, small sample size. Let's see how, you know, if we compared that to the whole 2019 season, what does that look like? Well, if we averaged out this 73.8 rushing yards per game that we currently have through four games, that would have been 127th out of 130 schools last year. It would have been uh, the 2.2 yards per carry. That would have been 129th out of 130. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's rough, folks. It is rough out there. And when you go back to last year, even, you say, well, I don't know, like, it's it's pretty bad, but we were pretty bad last year too. And you're correct because we were 111th out of 130 in terms of rushing yards per game, and we were 115th in yards per carry. So the scheme is different. The results are still bad and, and even worse. Uh, so you, you start looking at it. The offensive line, bad. The running backs, bad. Even Eli Collins, who ran for nearly a thousand yards last year, he has looked pretty rough this year. He had one good play on that screen pass coming out of the end zone where they finally were able to get him out in space. Connor Hayward is is just pedestrian. He's just a player. I, I don't really have much negative to say about him. I don't really have any positive things to say about him either. He's He's just a mediocre football player. I, Mason in our group chat put it perfectly. I can't bring it up right now, but... Uh, we were talking about it. It's just like he is he is the mean. He is the average. He is the if you took uh, all 125 teams, you lined them up and said, OK, who are your top two running backs? He would be exactly in the middle of that group, whatever it is. He's not bad. He's not good. He's just completely league average. And um, it, it's been rough. So when you can't run the ball, it puts a lot of pressure on your quarterback when your quarterback is prone to throwing interceptions, that's what happens. You you put in a backup, and when your backup you know comes in and and the offensive line is still bad and it still wasn't pretty. So let's let's dig into Peyton Thorne's game here because I, I again I charted all of this and then we'll get to all of your Twitter questions uh, in a moment here. So Peyton Thorne comes in in the second quarter. Uh, basically, the drives up to that point were uh under rocky lombardi were a punt an interception a fumble 
by who was that fumble? That was Jaden Reed with the fumble. Uh, another punt on a three and out and an interception. And we brought in uh, Peyton Thorne here. Second quarter with about nine minutes to go down 17 to nothing. And he gets the ball on our own 22 yard line. Starting the drive on our own 22 yard line, about nine minutes to play in the second quarter, 17 to nothing. It's ugly, but still a game. Three score game, plenty of time left. First play from scrimmage, read option. He reads the defensive end, crashes in. Good block by Tyler Hunt, springs him free, 38 yards down the field, and Spartan Nation is going ballistic. We we got our guy. We got our guy. This is exciting. It's electric. It's it's fun. Um, the rest of the drive was not great. He gets pressured. He escapes left, throws the ball away, which I, I brought this up on Twitter. It's nice to see a quarterback escape pressure and then just throw the ball away instead of forcing it into a tight window and getting picked off. That's refreshing. Uh, he throws a quick out route to Ricky White, drops a pass right in the breadbasket, inexcusable drop. Third and 10, you get a QB draw, nothing there. Um, you know, we move on to the next drive. Uh, first play, finds a soft spot in the zone, hits Jalen Naylor for nine yards, uh, right in between the linebackers. Uh, you know, nice, nice find, nice throw, good read of the zone coverage. Um, he escapes the pocket left on the next play. He, he makes a throw to Naylor, who was very closely contested. Technically, it hit Naylor in the hands. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a drop. It was an accurate pass, but it was just a pass that probably shouldn't have been thrown in the first place. Then you get that read option where he fumbled it. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know if it was whatever. But again, it just goes back to everybody on this team is fumbling it. Everybody on this team is is throwing interceptions. And at some point, you got to look at this coaching staff, man. He was saying it all offseason, ball security is job security. Ball security is job security. Well, apparently not because we fumbled the ball so many times this year that at some point, you're just going to have to bench everybody. So it's it's inexcusable. And, and that goes for Peyton Thorne as well. You got to hang on to the ball. You're a quarterback that's coming into the game because – the starter couldn't hang on to the ball. You can't come in and make these mistakes. So he fumbles it. Jalen Naylor picks it up. So no harm, no foul, but that can't happen. Uh, he rolls right in a clean pocket, and this is something I'll talk about in a second here. Rolls right, hits uh, Jaden Reed for a four-yard out. A um, couple missed throws here, takes a sack, and we go into halftime. That was the last drive. Uh, that he really had of the half because the next drive he had, they just handed the ball off and, and took it into halftime with like 20 seconds left. But um, again, go to go to Twitter at Standing Room MSU. There's a couple clear examples. I posted some clips when I was rewatching. This is my biggest concern. My biggest critique of Peyton Thorne's performance here is that there were a few times, and look, I get it. The offensive line is real bad, and there was a lot of genuine pressure in this game so it's hard to fault him for getting a little skittish back there but he got a little skittish back there there were quite a few plays where Peyton Thorne had a clean pocket and just escaped for no reason and just started running right and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't but there was a play later on where we had max protection Trenton Gillison was staying back at tight end we had a running back in there blocking and they were sending three guys Granted, one of them beat our, uh, I think it was right tackle, Kevin Jarvis. 
um, and, and got a little bit of pressure in there. But all it took was just one little step up in the pocket, and he had another five seconds to look downfield. Instead, he he just kind of freaked out. He rolled right. The linebacker that was spying him ends up closing in and getting a sack. And this this happened a few times where there wasn't any pressure there, and he just felt the need to scramble out and try to make a play. So that that's my biggest critique here, and this was the first example of it where there was a clean pocket, and he just, I don't know, this internal clock went off. He decided to get out, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but that's something to keep an eye on. When there is a clean pocket, you got to sit in there, find somebody, make a throw, you know, go through your progressions, first read, second read, third read. And if all else fails and there's still nobody there, tuck it and run, try to make something happen. But there was a couple times that he bailed out of a clean pocket and it got into, got himself into trouble more, more times than not. So we come into the second half here. He's, he's at his fourth drive of the game. Uh, there's there's a couple plays here. First, he gets pressured. There was two blitzers up the A gap. He escapes that pressure, rolls right, um, and and uh, escapes the pocket. Runs for five yards. Great play, right? Two guys blitzing up the A gap. There's plenty of pressure. He gets out of dodge and, and creates five yards out of nothing. A uh, couple run plays later, he finds a little zone between the cornerback and the nickelback for Jaden Reed. A little quick out. Five yards, moves the chains first down. Uh, and you get you had a penalty there. And then he this is his best throw of the game. He hit uh Tyler Hunt. If you remember this play early in the third quarter, hits Tyler Hunt right over the middle of the field. So it was right right in between two defenders, fitted into a pretty tight window there, just stuck it into his chest. Great throw, 15 yards. Um, gives us a shot, uh, gives us back third and six. Um, it was after, uh, I think, a holding penalty brought it back. Um, so it at least gave us a shot on third down. Uh, he missed a throw on that third down. There was a crosser to Jalen Naylor. He threw it a little bit behind him. Uh, but he at least put himself into a position where we could make that play, where we could make that throw. Um, throughout the rest of the game, just a couple notes here. I won't go through every single play, but... You had a lot of, uh, again, you have a lot of situations where he escapes real pressure and either throws it out of bounds or makes a play. And then you have some times where he escapes a pocket that was actually pretty clean and there was really nobody there. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on. When you do see him roll out, was it because there was pressure and he's he's really making a good play or, or not? Um, the sixth drive of the game, this wasn't, this was an important one for him. This was one that, that really stuck out to me. We were backed up in our own end zone. Let me see exactly where this was uh, in the drive chart here. We were backed up. Let's see here on our own five yard line. So this was towards the end of the third quarter, about four and a half minutes left. We're back up on our own five-yard line. They call a screen pass to Eli Collins' right. And you probably remember this one. Uh, He was facing some pressure in his own end zone, but kept his cool, kept his composure, did a great job just waiting for it to open up, dumps it off to Eli Collins for a 17-yard gain. The very next play, he hits Jaden Reed on a little quick slant uh, right before the linebacker, allows Jaden Reed to run after the catch, puts it in a good spot. It was a little high. 
but puts it in a good spot that allows Reed to run after the catch. Didn't throw it behind him. Didn't didn't allow. Didn't force him to stop his momentum. Um, allows him to keep running. That was twenty one yard gain. So back to back plays, you get thirty eight yards. Um, ended up getting a turnover on downs later on that drive. There there was a drop pass by Adam Berghorst that didn't really help him out. There was a good throw to to Trenton Gillison. So. Um, that was probably his best drive of the game. Again, late in the third quarter, uh, coming out of your own end zone, basically, we moved the ball. Uh, we had, let's see, three first downs on that drive. Um, certainly not perfect, but you know, get yourself out of a bad situation, make a couple nice plays, and get the ball into Indiana territory at the end of the day. So next drive was that interception. Right before that, he made a great play, rolling right, did a little hezzy hay. Uh, on the defensive end, a little stutter step, gave himself a little bit more space through a strike to Jaden Reed on the sideline. That, you know, we said that uh, Tyler Hunt throw was his best throw of the day. This was probably his best play of the day. You know, it, it had a little bit of everything. Uses his legs, gets out of the pocket, escapes pressure, hits a strike on the sideline for a, you know, what, 20 yard gain, 25 yard gain. That was a great play. Unfortunately, it was followed by an interception. Just just floated it. I mean, he, he saw the right read. Trenton Gillison was there. Trenton Gillison was he was covered, but it was definitely a, a makeable throw. Um, just floats it high. Uh, defenders there, makes the play on the ball. So, um, again, at the end of the day, he put the ball on the dirt once uh, on the fumble, and he threw an interception. So uh, those are mistakes we got to clean up. You know, we criticize Rocky for this. We got to criticize Peyton Thorne for it. You can't make those plays. You can't make those throws. Um, then the end of the game, again, by this point, it's pretty much over. It's 24-0. Uh, just, you know, a couple missed passes. Yeah, there was a, there was a deep shot to Jalen Reed that was actually on target. It was, it was a good play by the defensive back. It was the one real deep shot that Peyton Thorne took the whole game. Um, so all in all, I, like if I had to grade it, I'd probably give it like a C plus. Again, he didn't put any points on the board. That's important to remember. It's it's exciting. It's something different. But we didn't score any points. He put the ball in the dirt once. He threw an interception once. He he made some bad plays escaping the pocket. But at the end of the day, this is a kid who can move the ball on the ground. He brings a, a little bit of a running threat that we hadn't had with Rocky. He he ran the ball for it nets 25 yards but that includes sacks uh, you know i counted at least let's see 38 on that read option he had 5 yards on the scramble um there was another read option for 3 or 4 yards so i mean you you end up with almost 50 yards on the ground um if you take away those sacks so i i really i think it's exciting i think it's it's a breath of fresh air again it's something different but i i don't want to get too caught up in it because it was far from perfect so Let's get to these Twitter questions, Twitter takes, and we'll wrap this. And let's just roll through these because I, I kind of read them a little bit as I was uh, as I put the call out, but I uh, these are basically gut instinct answers. So we have JRel at Rel2True on Twitter. Was the U of M game important for recruiting purposes? Is this a recruit now, win later approach? Are some people overreacting? And he said, in my opinion, yes to the overreacting. Um, God, thank God for that U of M game, right? Thank God for that U of M game, because that allowed us to bring in some recruits, Rayshon Benny being one of them. 
Um, it allowed us to at least see a little bit of the process here and, and put a win on the board uh, because the rest of it's been pretty ugly, let's be completely honest. So that, that U of M game was huge, not only for recruiting purposes, but just for general like team momentum, to for the team to feel good. We got Paul Bunyan at the end of the day. As bad as this season ends, we can still look in that trophy case and see Paul Bunyan sitting there smiling at us. So it, it's important for recruiting, certainly. And is this a recruit now, win later approach? Absolutely. Uh, Mel Tucker even talked about this in his last press conference. He basically said, you know, we're, we're focused on the process, not necessarily the results right now, which is a coach speak way of saying, hey, if we lose the game, it's not a big deal. That's that's not really what we're going after right now. We're looking for identifying who's good on this team. We're, we're trying to recruit better talent into this program and just build up this roster. So um, for the first two questions, was this U of M game important in terms of recruiting? And is this a recruit now win later approach? Absolutely. Are some people overreacting? Probably. It's again, it's you have to take all of this into consideration. Rico Beard uh, of 97.1, he, he put out a tweet that I thought summed it up pretty well. It's just, look, we forget about it, but he was hired in February. COVID hit. He wasn't allowed to basically put in any of his offense or defensive schemes. Everything was done during Zoom. And and there's so many things that go against us this season. And that's not excusing 73-7 to seven the last two weeks. I said it last week. I, I can go with all these excuses for losses. I, I can't go with all these excuses for a shutout loss at home, for a 49-7 to seven loss. That stuff still can't happen. But are we overreacting a little bit? Probably. Probably. Uh, Buckarine Pod. The Buckarine Podcast. A uh, good friend of mine. Uh, Kane is is running this thing. So at Buckarine Pod. It's uh, basically a Michigan fan and a, uh, an Ohio State fan that do a little Big Ten podcast. They talk about MSU. Uh, they've shouted me out a couple times, so I will do the same for them. Great podcast. They, they do their picks every week as well. So even uh, for nothing else, if you want to you know, wager uh, on these Big Ten games, um, they give you some good information leading up to the week. Uh, but they, they're good about following the storylines and everything like that. So make sure you give them a follow on Twitter um, and give them a shot on uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever. So Buckarine Pod asks, does Jay Johnson at all tell his boys how to handle the ball when under pressure? Um, yeah, I guess not, man. This coaching staff doesn't really seem too concerned about uh, throwing the ball into traffic, about hanging on to the ball when defenders are near you because the amount of times we put the damn ball in the ground is, is insulting. Um, at... Verbose Dutch. I, I every time I see this on Twitter, I try to pronounce it in my head and I fail epically. V E R B O S E Dutch. Verbose Dutch. Verbose Dutch. This is going to be a painful transition. Patience is hard, but we're going to need a good amount of it. I understand the defensive philosophy and I'm okay with the plan. I don't understand the offensive philosophy. Um, yeah, I, I get that. The defensive philosophy has been pretty sound. Um, the defense has been sound in general. Look, th this week we were missing three of our four starting defensive backs. So while they torched us through the air, you're putting in three backups, um, including your nickels. So three out of five backups. 
60 percent of your defensive backfield is backups that, that's just you're you're gonna miss out on some plays you're you're gonna give up some big plays in the passing game so that's that's gonna happen and the defense has been solid this year take away the the iowa game um, so the defensive plan, the defensive, you know, philosophy, this cover three defense, I, I really do like it. I, I think that it's it's the best way to play with this group of talent and with the group of talent that we're trying to bring in here. Uh, the offensive philosophy, I totally agree with you. I, I'm I'm just struggling to figure out what the plan is. Is this a running team? Is this a passing team? Is this a a spread look? What are we doing here? We we need to establish an identity there first before I'll, I'll really feel comfortable buying into Jay Johnson as, as no C as a play caller. Cause I just, I haven't seen that vision yet. I, I don't really know what type of team he wants to be. Um, Alex Seabass at Asabella 22. If he wasn't getting chased out of the pocket every, oh, this was about uh, Peyton Thorne, I believe. If he wasn't getting out chased out of the pocket every snap, he would have been even better. He made some impressive throws as well. All around was a better option. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, he was a better option, and that's at the end of the day. I, I said I would grade him a C plus, and I would grade Rocky about a D for the last couple of weeks, if not worse. So um, related note, at Spartan18770. He has a couple questions on here. We'll try to get to him. Was today Rocky's last day as a starting quarterback for this team? Uh, short answer, I hope so. Long answer, there's a lot of football to be played this year. A lot of things can happen. Uh, again, Spartan18770, would any of our offensive linemen be a starter for any other Big Ten team? Jesus. Um, Kevin Jarvis would probably start a few places. You know, your Illinois, your um, J.D. Duplain at left guard has played okay. I'm sure he could find a spot somewhere in the Big Ten. AJR Curie hasn't been good on the blind side on the left. Matt Allen, when he's healthy, is okay. Nick Samek has has been hit or miss. In some plays he looks great. Some plays he just has no idea what he's doing. I would say Kevin Jarvis would find a spot, and I think J.D. Duplain would find a spot. Other than that, I don't really feel comfortable with it. <laughs> And the neg- the last question from Spartan eighteen seven seven zero: How many players will transfer after this season, knowing they won't have a spot on this team? That's interesting because Julian Barnett, uh, he he actually posted something on Twitter. It was a picture of him at like a high school All American game, and it was one of those like you know look where I am now or something like that. It, it was kind of cryptic, like didn't look good. I would not be shocked at this point if Julian Barnett transfers because we, again, we were out three defensive backs and he could still barely get on the field. Angelo Gross was playing a lot. I even saw there was plenty of guys that let's just say there was plenty of guys that got in there before Julian Barnett did. And he played a couple snaps, but I I would not be shocked if he transferred. That would be one. Uh, Devontae Dobbs, I don't know what's going on with him. He can't find the playing time, even on a bad offensive line. Wouldn't shock me if he transferred. Uh, Any of these quarterbacks wouldn't surprise me. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I I can't think of too many names off the top of my head because there's plenty of playing time available. 
Uh, but those are kind of those highly rated recruits that, you know, would certainly have an opportunity to go elsewhere. Um, so those two wouldn't surprise me, but we'll see. At Jeff Sparty, Jeff says, why can't MSU find a quarterback? Cook and Cousins are the only two quality quarterbacks of the last 12 years, and it doesn't look like we have one now. I'm going to push back on that. Brian Lewerke was fine. Brian Lewerke wasn't a great quarterback, but Brian Lewerke was a fine college quarterback. If things were right around him, he made enough plays to win games and go out there and play really well. He had some, remember that Washington State Bowl game, man? I know it's Washington State, but he played a perfect game. Um, he was he was a solid, solid quality Big Ten quarterback. I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. Um, and, and then before that, he's, of the last 12 years, well, that pretty much is three quarterbacks. I mean, you had a couple, you know, like half seasons of, of different quarterbacks, but Cook Cousins and Lewerke were each three-year starters. So I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. At Jeff Sparty, Jeff again says, how does a 5DB base defense be so incredibly bad at pass coverage? Um, again, this week, I'll, I'll give him a breather because we had so many starters out. Um, last week, they were okay. The week before, they were okay. So I think the defensive backfield is just fine. It's, it's certainly not great, but it's a new scheme that they're learning, and they're all young, ex- inexperienced players. Um, so when you add that into the fact that we were playing against arguably the best wide receiver group in the conference, um, you you could probably argue, argue Indiana, Purdue, and Ohio State. Um, it plays were going to happen. So I, I'm not freaking out about the defensive back performance this week because most of these guys are backups. Um, and the last question from oh, we have two more questions from Jeff Sparty, Jeff. What happened to Collins? Is it just an overall trash O-line and Collins is mediocre in pass pro? He actually had a couple good pass protection reps that I saw when I rewatched this game. Uh, one of them I posted on Twitter. Uh, but I don't know what happened, man. There's He hasn't looked great. Uh, certainly the offensive line looks bad, but he even when there's a hole, he looks hesitant. He, he's just not exploding through there the same way he did last year. He hasn't made anybody miss when he does get the opportunity in a little bit of space. He, he struggled to make anybody miss. So I, I'd say it's it's almost equal parts, Collins, in the offensive line, maybe 60-40 offensive line. Uh, where did blindside blocks come from, and why didn't MSU's coaching staff know about them? Um I don't know. I'm not really sure. I understand the question there, so I'll skip it. Uh, at Jeff Sparty, Jeff, if if you want to expand on that, just let me know because uh, I'm not really sure what you mean. Luke Baker, my guy at LW Baker, um, he has two takes here. One, it's about damn time we cut the cord with Rocky. Thorne had some accuracy issues but showed glimpses of hope. His problems are fixable while Rocky is just a lost cause. Yeah, uh, I, I touched on that. I think the the problems that Rocky Lombardi has as a quarterback really aren't correctable. They really aren't fixable at this point. It's it's mindset, it's philosophy, it's it's above the shoulders stuff that I don't really know if we can fix. Um, so Peyton Thorne, at least he's you know like a ball of clay in there that we can hopefully mold into a good quarterback. Uh, second take: we seem to have some poor effort in the first half. Naylor failing to touch a guy on a kick return that could have been a touchdown. Brown tackling so low he got hurtled by a tight end. Freifogel getting extra yards and a touchdown after being trapped between three players in the sideline. 
Um, again, that's at LWBaker33. He always has some good stuff. I generally agree. Now, the 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 low tackle uh, for the hurdle and the tight end, that that's just basically how you teach it. It's a cornerback going up against a tight end that's probably 60 pounds heavier. The only way you're going to get him down is going low. So I, I don't really have a problem with that. But the rest of it, yeah, the, there was a little bit of a lack of effort on both sides of the ball. Uh, the co- receivers were, were – I saw some lazy routes out there. I saw some drop passes. Special teams has been pretty rough all season long. Um, and, and there were a couple plays on the defense. I, I, I mentioned one by Noah Harvey where he just took a bad angle and missed a tackle. There was a few slip tackles. There was a few – you know, like you said, that the, somebody was kind of wrapped up or, you know, somebody was surrounded by a couple defenders who ends up getting another five, six, seven yards. So um, that's coaching. Got to figure that stuff out. Uh, let's see. Anything else on here? I think that does it. Rifled through those things pretty good. So I appreciate all of that feedback. I do love answering. Uh, I do love answering these questions. I do love the Twitter interaction. So keep that coming at Standing Room MSU on Twitter at Standing Room Spartans on Instagram as well. Uh, make sure you follow Scott too at sta- at Spartan Martin eighteen. Uh, leave an Apple review, subscribe, rate, review, all of that fun stuff. I, I really do appreciate it. It really helps me out. Uh, but continue this interaction. Really, it, it makes it makes the episodes a lot more interesting and a lot more fun because, uh, you know, I want to hear what what's on your guys's mind. It, it makes it more interesting for me to react to that than just rambling on by myself. So, have yourselves a great week. Um, you know, hopefully, again, maybe depending on who you are and what your philosophy is, either hopefully we get a game next Saturday. Or uh, hopefully we get a little bit of a breather. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated on Twitter. And whatever happens, we'll still get two episodes out a week. Um, we'll, we'll get some fun like halftime content, half-season content, um, if that game does end up getting canceled. So we'll make sure you keep you posted. Have yourselves a great Monday. Have yourselves a great week. All right, so we're coming in with the instant thoughts here. Um, not much to say, really. I, you can come out kicking and screaming and angry, but I don't know, man. We just got beat by a better team. Uh, the the real thing here is is obviously the quarterback situation. Peyton Thorne comes in for Rocky, and I I love the move. I, I think it was like six quarters too late, but hey, I, the kid came in there and looked pretty good. I, like I'll go back and rewatch the game, but I just. <laughs> I said it earlier, like, Rocky Lombardi, every time he drops back to pass, you have, like, the clinch butt cheeks, you're nervous, you're, you're, everything's just tight, and you don't feel comfortable. Peyton Thorne just, he relaxed me a little bit, you know, he, he made one bad throw, he had that interception, uh, but it wasn't a, Greg McElroy, or Craig, whatever his name is, the announcer, he's, he mentioned it, I mean, it wasn't a bad decision, it was it was a bad throw. He aired it out a little bit too much, but it it just brought a little bit of energy, man. And I don't know. It's hard to say there's any energy when we're what the last two weeks combined seventy three to seven. But you know, you go out there, you you move the ball down the field at least. You're you're getting a couple first downs. The first play from from scrimmage for him, he runs for like thirty five yards. But I, I don't know, man. We, we got beat by a better team. 
Uh, the defense, hey, they showed some life there. And and in the end of the game, they kept playing hard. Backs up against the wall in the red zone. They they held them out of the end zone a couple times. Indiana went for it on fourth down late in the game a couple times. And we held them out. So, I don't know. There's definitely not a moral victory. There's definitely not a lot of positives to take from it. Again, I'll go back and rewatch it. But the important thing is we finally made that switch. A quarterback, Peyton Thorne, came in and, and it just it looked a little smoother. It looked a little better. It was easier to watch. Um, but I don't know. It's so frustrating. Like I, I immediately turned off uh, as soon as the Michigan State game ended. I flipped over to North Carolina and Wake Forest. 52-45. to 45. Quarterbacks are throwing for like 500 yards and six touchdowns. And I know it'll never be that, and I don't even necessarily say I want that, but it looks so much more fun. (laughs) It looks so much more fun to watch that as a fan, man. You're watching offenses move up and down the field. You're watching energy. You're it's it's just a we're we are playing a totally different sport than some of these teams. It, It just. I don't know. I, I sometimes I crave that. Sometimes I wish I was a fan of a Big Twelve team of a, you know, one of these high flying offenses. It just it looks like a lot of fun. Um, but I guess I don't know. That's the that's never going to be our identity. That's never going to be our mo. And I get it. And you know, I I do appreciate it on some level because I I do love real football. But it does look like a lot of fun having a quarterback go out there and throw for five hundred yards does look like a lot of fun so I don't know like I said not not really a whole lot you can take from this to be completely honest um defense we're losing three guys in the secondary and it showed early and you know they jumped out to an early lead we we just couldn't really get it done and it's a well-coached team it's a good team on Indiana and let's see what they can do next week against Ohio State I mean they're gonna have their shot to to prove this thing is real but Again, for Michigan State, it's it's a couple bad weeks, and we'll see if they can turn this around at some point before the season ends. We might get a bye week next week if if Maryland doesn't get their shit together. But you know, uh, that's that's like I said, not much to be said right now. I'll go back rewatch this tomorrow morning, and uh, hopefully hop on with Scott and have some more uh, actual informative takes. I, I was writing down in my notepad throughout the game. There's a lot of stuff to to really dig into as you go back and rewatch it. But the initial thoughts, like I said, is it's just we got beat by a better team, a, a better coach team, a more talented team, and we finally, finally, finally made that switch at quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's not really much like emotion coming out of this week for me. It's just, you watch that game with a blank expression for most of it. And I'm sure most of you are about the same if you, if you even kept watching through the end of it. So, ah, we're, we're back on it next week. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see on Thursday. Uh, this will be tacked on to the end of the Monday pod. So, um, hope everybody had a great safe weekend. Hopefully you, you enjoyed some some part of that quote-unquote performance uh, by Michigan State. So uh, we'll see if we can turn this thing around. You know, it's it's going to be a roller coaster of a year. I still think they got one or two more good games left in them. So we'll see if Peyton Thorne can hang on to this job and, and make something happen for him. But have a great week, folks. Take care.